Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jettikin. Desi just had to finish crunching an M&M. I know. Before we started. I was chewing extra fast because I threw one in because I didn't know Rachel was about to start. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I'm a fast eater. <laughs> Okay, so let's start out the show first thanking our Patreon contributors of the week. This week we had Lynn. We had a PayPal donation from Della. Did we thank did we thank Della last week? I don't think so. Thank well, you, Della. Thank you, Della. That's really nice. We had uh, Ida, Elaine, Joseph, Jennifer, Celia, Amanda, and Kelly. Thanks, Thanks guys. guys. So we have finally picked out our winning review for our latest book giveaway. giveaway, which is the Black Dahlia book. What's it called? Severed? Severed, yeah. Okay. And I just want to thank everyone who has reviewed our show in the past few months. I mean, anyone, everyone who, all of our listeners who, are, who have reviewed the show, you guys always leave really cool, nice right. reviews, and we read them, and they're really sweet. So thank you guys so much. But the one that stuck out to me, I'm sorry, this just caught my eye in particular because I'm a petty bitch. <laughs> this one is from listener Copper Whopper. Copper <laughs> Whopper. If that's you, please email the show at hollywoodcrimescene at gmail.com and let us know that that's you and we will send you uh, severed along with a card signed by me and Desi. And this is the review from Copper Whopper. I thought I was 100% completely a Desi until Rachel shared her loathing of Scott C. <laughs> and yes, I want to dump all the raw red onions on his smug weasel face. Three exclamation points. Wow. Look, it's not a heartwarming review, but it did warm my heart. <laughs> it's always nice to find someone else hates the same person as you. Right. It's one of life's greatest pleasures. And I don't, I really don't hate many people. <clears throat> I no. don't, I don't have hate in my heart, but I am in a, I have been in a feud with Scott Conant for probably two years now. Right. That he's a celebrity chef on the Food Network. I've dined at his restaurant. It was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but I do dislike him as a person. I don't think many people like him. I don't know anyone who's like a stan of Scott no. Conant. I don't. I don't think it exists. But I do know that plenty of people probably think his food is good. Right. Which is fine. You can dislike someone and still be like, all right, they make a mean spaghetti. Yeah. So that's great. We'll send that to you. And yeah. maybe we'll, I'll pick out another book and we can run another competition Let's in the next it. week or so. Let's do we'll, it. Uh, we'll uh, let you guys know what that would be. And... Uh, I guess we should just start the show. Okay, I let's think it do might it. be long, but I'm not sure. That's fine. Who knows? <laughs> so this has been a highly requested case yes. almost since we started the show. And I think it was even in our poll that we did. It was. Possibly. Okay. I just said, what the fuck? It's it's the anniversary, kind of. It's like the the 24th anniversary of this crime. It's coming up on March 31st. And that is the murder of singer Selena. So Selena... Quintanilla was born on April 16th, 1971 in Texas, and she was the baby daughter of Marcella and Abraham Quintanilla. Uh, her dad was a musician, and the family's, like, another interesting thing about their family, they were Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Isn't that, I'm always surprised to find out someone is a Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, they don't celebrate birthdays. Right. So, 
Her dad noticed very early on that Selena had a lot of talent musically. He told People Magazine later on in life that her timing, her pitch were perfect. I could see it from day one. In 1980, they began to perform as a family at one of Abraham's Tex-Mex restaurants. That didn't last too long because I guess there was a recession at some point in the 80s. So, so I've been told from my research. So uh, the restaurant had to close down, and they declared bankruptcy. They were evicted from their house, and that was what led them to move to Corpus Christi, Texas. They were somewhere else, I think, north of there. Um, the family band reformed, and that was really what supported them financially. Selena was now the official star of the band, and they were billed as Selena y los Dinos. And they played at weddings and quinceaneras. Selena's dad started kind of get, getting some pushback from her teachers at school. A lot of them noticed that Selena would sort of arrive at school being completely exhausted with, like, bags under her eyes because they were playing a ton. And like I said right. before, that was how her family survived, basically. Yeah. Uh, one of the teachers who disapproved of Selena's musical career, she threatened to report her dad to the Texas Board of Education And her complaint is obviously that the conditions in which Selena was sort of exposed were inappropriate for her, a girl her age. Uh, Were they like performing in bars and stuff sometimes? Yeah, I think they were just all over like restaurants, but even just late night kind of traveling and stuff like that. Um, Selena's dad told the teacher to mind her business and he took Selena out of school when she was in the eighth grade. Wow. At 17, she did earn her high school diploma from a correspondence school, and she enrolled in college, but her dad had other plans for her. He refurbished a touring bus that they called the Big Bertha. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I kind of vaguely remember that from the movie. Oh, okay. I don't think I ever saw the movie, but I did, I did watch clips today. Oh, my God. Desi, it's one of the best like musical biopics oh, really? ever. I mean, and it's... In my opinion, I think it's J-Lo's best role that she's ever done. Well, it's probably her only good role, right? Look, J-Lo, <laughs> J-Lo is phenomenal as Selena. It is such a good movie. Okay. I've seen it probably a hundred times. Oh, wow. It's okay, so good. I had no idea. Yeah. But the tour, the, they toured a lot, but they were still barely like making a lo- enough money to get gas and food on the road. Like They yeah. weren't earning a ton of money. In 1984, she recur- recorded her first album. And she actually wanted to record in English language, uh, but her dad insisted she record in she record Tejano music. Yeah, and that's popular with Mexicans living in the states. It's like a type of move. Uh, music that's in Spanish language, but it has like a polka vibe. One interesting thing that I did learn, and this probably is in the movie, is that she did not speak Spanish and had to learn it phonetically to sing these early songs, and I guess her first few um, major label albums as well. She also began to make TV appearances, and she eventually caught the eye of Rick Trevino, who was the founder of the Tejano Music Awards, and she won the Female Vocalist of the Year in 1987, and then for nine consecutive years after that. Another thing about Tejano music is it's extremely, at the time, was extremely male-dominated, right. and people did not want to, to book a female singer. Right. So they told her dad that she could never be successful due to that, but obviously those bitches were wrong. Uh, there's a lot of patriarchal BS in Selena's story. I'm yeah. going to get to some of that later, I guess, a bit. It's an aspect of the tragedy that I really latched onto since she was kind of killed, obviously, spoiler alert, uh, <laughs> right when she was kind of breaking free yeah. of all of these yeah. males, can kind of controlling who she was in the music industry and then her family as well. 
Now that she's kind of made a splash in her niche market, major labels got into a bidding war over her, and they were all looking for the next Gloria Estefan, who was really big right. at this period. So Selena went with EMI because they promised her that they would let her record a crossover album. They did record some songs for this crossover album, but ultimately decided she didn't have a big enough fan base yet, and they didn't think she had crossover appeal, so the album was next. Her next, uh, I'm sorry, her debut album with EMI was called Selena, and that peaked at number seven on the U.S. Billboard Regional Mexican Albums chart and was a modest success. The same year, Coca-Cola wanted Selena to become one of their spokespeople in Texas, so that kind of got her another little boost. The jingle used in her first two commercials for the company were co-composed by a man named Chris Perez, and he would eventually become her lead guitarist in her um, band. So... Obviously, if you know the story, you know Chris, they ended they end up kind of having feelings for each other. So he when they met, you know, he had a girlfriend in San Antonio, but they had started traveling together and went down to Mexico and he actually thought it was best for them to kind of stay away from each other. That's Same how as Selena. Strong. Yeah, he's like, We have to not, you know, it's right. like a classic there's, we have to not be near, near each other. There's clearly something between yeah. us. So but obviously they kept accidentally being near each other. <laughs> I thought this was a hilarious detail. They expressed their feelings for each other at Pizza Hut. <laughs> Is that a scene in the movie? <laughs> one of them really likes spicy and one of them doesn't. Oh. And that's like my relationship. I'm yeah. the spicy person. Right. I and like spicy. spicy. B doesn't like spicy as much. Well, after shortly after this Pizza Hut dinner, um, they become a couple, but they still were hiding their relationship from their dad. I mean, he, they thought he would try to break their relationship right. up. So Selena releases her second studio album called Ven Conmigo in September of 1990. Now it's the 90s, Rachel. Thank you. And it, that was another moderate success. The same year, 1991, a fan named Yolanda Saldivar asked Selena's dad if she could start a fan club for Selena. Yolanda was a longtime fan of Tejano music, and she originally did not like Selena. Like, oh. She uh, got pissed because Selena had beat her favorite band at a Tejano Music Awards Whoa. at some point. Like, what a petty, petty little grudge, right? That's, like, it's her fault. And wasn't Yolanda a lot older than Selena, too? Well, let me tell you something. I <laughs> I looked into this more than any other detail that I looked into. Right. She is not much older. Oh. She is, like, when, when the murder happened, Selena is almost 24. Yolanda is, like, 31. What? Yeah. Because in the movie, Yolanda is, like, 50. She looks 50 in real life, but she was born in uh, 1960, so she's only, like, 58 now. Oh, my God. This yeah. whole time, I thought she was, like, in her 50s. Well, she's played by, like, that actress Lupe... What's her name? Lupe Oliverda or something? Uh... No, she looks much older. I kept checking. I was like, she cannot be in her 30s here. That is wild. Like, it is wild. Like, okay. So she's not much older. I mean, she is older, but not like what, what it looks like. Oh. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay. 
in the mid in mid nineteen ninety one, she goes to a Selena concert and is blown away by Selena's stage so presence. So now she's a fan. Now she's her number one fan. Okay, which is always scary for someone who is thirty one. Even to if be she's, like an obsessed fan. To be an obsessed fan at that age is crazy to me. I'm sorry. I'm even if unless you're a fan of ours that right. way. Right, then it's, then it's, <laughs> totally then it's very cool. normal. Um, so. The day after she goes to the concert, she's looking to get like souvenirs and, and stuff like that, and they she couldn't find any. So she got this idea that she would start a fan club where they would offer merchandise and stuff like that. I mean, that's such an antiquated, because nowadays right. it's like you get your website, you get a Teespring account, you have merchandise, right? But back then it was like definitely a thing. And also, is is there even still fan clubs today? Like now it's I just like know. people follow you on Instagram. Right. Yeah. I don't think it's a thing. But... Uh, she wanted to start one in San Antonio. Um, so she, Selena's dad would later say that she left 15 messages bugging him about starting the sand club. Yolanda said it was only three messages. Oh. Uh, but after meeting her in person, he approved the deal and she starts this fan club. I mean, maybe it was only three, but they were probably really long messages. Who knows? But that's such an also like nineties. Like, were you in any fan clubs growing up? Absolutely not. I wasn't either. I, I had like fans I sent and a fan artists. letter before oh, for you sure did? to who River Phoenix. <laughs> Desi, that is so you. That is so on brand. I was never in any fan clubs, but I and I was, but I was definitely fans, like hardcore fans. Oh, I was hardcore artists, fans, but I was never in any clubs or like subscribed to any mailing lists yeah. or anything like that. I don't think I would have even known how to do it. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. It's not my thing in general to join clubs. She becomes the founder and acting president of the Selena Fan Club in San Antonio in June of 1991. Uh, Her duties were basically, um, she would collect this membership fee that was $22, and then she would send people products promoting Selena, like a t-shirt. She would share exclusive interviews with the band, a fact sheet about Selena, and like concert updates, like stuff like that. So that was sort of what she was doing. All the proceeds from the fan club were donated to charities, and she initially worked with Suzette, Selena's sister. She actually didn't meet Selena until December of 1991, and when the two met, they became close friends almost instantly, and she was very trusted by the whole family. She ended up getting more than 8,000 fans in San Antonio, and she became Selena's most efficient assistant as well. She started doing more personal tasks and and stuff like that for Selena. Um, People noticed how eager she was to impress Selena. That's like something people would say over and over again. She would do anything the singer told her to do. One person said if Selena said jump, uh, uh, Yolanda would jump three times. So she definitely was just going overboard. She wanted to impress Selena. She um, gave up her career as an in-home nurse for patients with terminal cancer to invest her uh, time running Selena's fan club and working for Selena for way way less money, by the way. But she was getting paid. Um, So Selena's career keeps exploding. And on September 17th, 1993, she does a concert in Mexico that is attended by 70,000 people. And she is garnered this title of the biggest Tejano uh, act in Mexico. She also has another big break where she records a duet with an artist named Alvaro Torres. And that hits number one on the Latin music charts. And that's her first number one single the music video for the song was also nominated for a Billboard Music Award in 1992. So as her career is sort of taking off and getting more settled, her personal life definitely starts to get a little more full of strife. Her sister Suzette finds Selena and Chris flirting with each other and immediately tells the father like <gasps> a little bitch. Oh, no. What the hell? Suzette. Yes, yeah, Suzette. <laughs> no, Don't no, Suzette. No. <laughs> 
Um, the dad takes Chris off the bus and tells him that his relationship with his daughter is over. Obviously, Selena and Chris continue their relationship right. behind the family's back. The mom is actually fine with it. Uh, so some at some point, the dad sees Selena and Chris acting romantic on the bus after he informed them of this relationship is over. He pulls over. They get into a huge ar- argument, uh, the dad and Selena. He uh, calls Perez a cancer in my family. Oh, my God. And he threatens to end the band if they continue their relationship. So at this point, Selena and Chris give in to his demands. He fires Chris from the band, and he prevents Selena from ever um, seeing him or, or leaving with him or seeing him. After his dismissal, though, shortly after, they pick up their relationship again. On the morning of April 2nd, 1992, they elope because they think the dad will never approve of their relationship and that if they get married, he has to accept them at that point. So he doesn't even find out from them. Within hours of them getting married, the media announces the elopement. Is that like a big thing in the movie? That is a thing in the movie. Yeah. Uh, So they move into their own apartment in Corpus Christi. The dad says that he had initial fears that Chris would be a machista, right. which is Spanish for male chauvinist. Obviously, it kind of sounds like it. Who am I to tell you? <laughs> Duh. Um, and he kind of begrudgingly accepts this relationship at this point. Now, um, I don't know about real life as much, but in the movie, Chris is like such a match. Like he loves Selena so much. He adores right. her. He respects her. Their love, their love is so pure. I don't have any evidence that that wasn't the case. Right. I mean, it just seems to me like a typical old school dad. He, Abraham in the movie was definitely like, that is a major plot point. Well, I mean, the nerve of him calling someone machista when he, he's like completely right. That kind of, it's like, dude, I, I hate dads who are like controlling their daughter's boyfriends. There's also this famous line that's great in Selena where, uh, Abraham, Edward James, almost his character. He right. says to like, so he gets mad because Selena wears this really cute, uh, sequined bustier on stage one oh, night. Like okay. she takes her jacket off yeah. and reveals this like bustier and he gets really mad at her because it's like too sexy. Mm-hmm. And it, he calls it a busta la caca. <laughs> it's, it's like an iconic moment in the movie. Okay. So, she next releases her third studio album, Entre a Mami a Mai Mundo. That's May 1992. And this is sort of her breakthrough album. Like, I mean, she's had steady success up to this point, but this is number one on the Billboard regional Mexican album. It's certified 10 times platinum, and it sells in Mexico over 400,000 units, which is pretty big because at the time, Tejano is looked down upon really? in Mexico. Mexico, uh, Mexican citizens consider Tejanos hayseed pochos. Pochos is like Americans who have Mexican ancestry but don't even speak Spanish. Right. So it's like this kind of, uh, she has a big conference and concert coming up in Mexico, and this makes EMI executives very nervous because they're afraid that during this press conference, people are going to realize she has very limited Spanish and sort of uh, have all those prejudices come out against her. But obviously she's Selena. She wins over the Mexican media and the newspapers. They call her an artist of the people. um, And everyone's sort of like, she's a refreshing change from telenovela actresses who are all blonde and blue eyed. Like, so she becomes very popular in Mexico 
and she's well-received by the critics there as well. Her next album, Live, wins the Grammy Award for Best Mexican-American Album at the 36th uh, annual Grammy Awards, and she also makes an appearance opposite Eric Estrada in a Mexican telenovela, which sounds really hilarious to me. <laughs> Eric Estrada, like, right. Come on. There's a great moment also. Sorry, I have to keep <laughs> okay, going back that's to the movie. Fine. <laughs> when they're shopping for the Grammy dress, oh, and okay. the sales lady is like really bitchy. Like, I think the it's sales like lady is being is like this white bitch, uh-huh. and I don't remember if she was like. Like she was definitely like profiling Selena and it's kind of like pretty sister. woman. It was like a pretty woman moment with the Grammy dress. Right. In uh, March of 1994, she releases her fourth album, Amor Prohibido, and that is sort of like another smash hit. And it really breaks Tejano music into a younger audience, which it, at that point it hadn't really been uh, her age, like going to her concerts. So mm-hmm. It was all older. Um, it's also nominated for Grammys. And at this point, Selena is being hailed as bigger than Tejano music itself. She's breaking all these music, like she's breaking more into this crossover period right. um, that she wants to kind of do. She is called the queen of Tejano music. Um, her This album is literally like on every list. NPR puts it at number 19 on their list of 150 greatest albums made by women ever. Really? So it's like across the board being hailed as this great album. Finally, EMI lets her do her crossover album yeah. and they start preparing for that. Like while she's processing this album, she does a record breaking concert in Houston in 1995 in February of 1995. She's working on her crossover album and she makes a cameo in the movie Don Juan de Marco, which I remember that, that movie. That's like a Johnny Depp. Yeah. Alan Brando movie. So, I mean, everything is fucking coming together. She's with her husband. They're going to buy a 10 acre plot of land and build their own house because at that point they're still living next door to her parents right so even though they're ready to move yeah they're like so everything's kind of like coming together aside from music selena had also begun designing and manufacturing a line of clothing and had opened two boutiques called selena etc one in corpus christi and one in san antonio both of them also had like beauty salons inside so it was like this whole beauty you know fashion kind of shop Thing that she was doing. She was also in negotiations to open more stores in Monterey, Mexico, and Puerto Rico. She had been so impressed with how Yolanda had been running the fan club, she put her in charge of managing both of those stores. Um, so after she gets hired to run these stores, she moves to Corpus Christi, Yolanda, to be closer to Selena. In an interview later in 1995, the dad said he always mistrusted uh, Yolanda Saldivar. But that was not true at this time. Like right. They were trusting her with a lot. Um, she was authorized to write checks for them. She had access to the bank accounts. Selena had given her an American Express card wow. to like charge stuff for the business. But uh, obviously, Yolanda starts using those things right. for purposes outside of the business. She starts renting Lincoln Town cards. She's taking associates to like fancy restaurants. Like She's really living this high life now. Um, staff at the boutique start complaining that Saldivar was always nice when Selena was around, but then treated everyone like shit when Selena oh, is no. away. In December of 1994, the boutiques kind of began to fail. The re- employees who are left are really upping their complaints about Yolanda, but Selena is definitely like, this is my friend. Right. I believe her. She would never else. betray me. She would never hurt me. Yeah. Or my business. They tell Selena that she's unstable, and um, they also take their complaints to Selena's dad. 
telling him that they feel like she might be a dangerous person, but really? no one kind of listens to any of these complaints. So in January of 1995, Selena's cousin is, I'm sorry, Selena's cu- cousin is hired to work in the boutiques as well. And she quits within a week saying that Saldivar, also complaining about the way Saldivar treats she staff. She quit because of Yolanda. Yeah. Uh-huh. And she also tells Selena that she's found some receipts that were missing from several of the boutique items that she can't, like, match the inventory right. to, like, a receipt that it was sold. Saldivar confronts the cousin and says, mind your own business. That's not your concern. Whoa. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, Saldivar is quite a... Uh, funny looking woman like you could see like picturing her turning evil is kind of like weird yeah because she kind of like you said she looks much older than she is she almost has like a little cute grandma she yeah but when you know she's so horrible all of a sudden that look becomes very evil like jarring she also starts clashing with selena's fashion designer a man named martin gomez who started kind of managing some of the fashion aspects are, are the designing aspects of the line. I mean, she, this guy accused her of doing things like destroying or mutilating some of his creations at the fashion <gasps> shows, like before the models would go out, she Just would like sabotage. sabotage. Yeah. That's horrible. <clears throat> and that, um, he, he said that she started recording conversations with him. Like she was always trying to like, I mean, this is such an abusive relationship yeah. in a way. Like she's trying to control anyone else that Selena's making important her in her life and trying to right. sabotage all of these relationships. So Selena only has her to rely on. Right. So if that's not creepy enough, Selena is also give, giving Yolanda all of these sort of tokens of affection, like nice presents. This is like, once again, like a third, a woman in her early thirties, her room is covered with Selena posters and pictures. She burns votive candles, like as if like an altar. She has a library of Selena's videos that she plays when people (gasps) come over. I mean, this is like single white female totally kind of stuff. In an interview in 1995, Yolanda admits that her uh, devotion to Selena was borderline obsession. Yeah. She tells other employees that she wants to be like Selena and that uh, these people also say that she was possessive, like I had just mentioned before. Well, if you want to be like Selena, maybe you should be a decent person yeah. first. That's <laughs> first like a good all, start. I mean, basically all I said, this is a very abusive and controlling right. kind of right. person. This becoming business partner is really sort of the end, like what starts to unravel their relationship. Right. Because there was really no problems up until that point. Although there was some theft, I think, in the fan club as well. But it didn't come out uh, until all of this stuff started coming out. So in early 1995, Selena also starts getting angry calls from her dad now because he's receiving telephone. Oh, I just said that this was going to come up. Sorry. Uh, he said that he was getting complaints from fans saying that memorabilia wasn't being sent right. out from the fan club. So she was just pocketing the money. Yes. She had embezzled at that point more than $60,000 oh using forged checks from the fan club and the boutiques. Cause remember she had access to these right. uh, checking accounts at this point, uh, which is now March 9th, 1995, the Selena's dad has a meeting with Selena and her sister Suzette and they're like, we're going to confront Yolanda. Right. So he, Yolanda comes to the, the um, recording studio and they present her with evidence about all these missing funds from the bank account. He said uh, that Yolanda basically just stares emptily, em- em- like she just like a blank face. Like she doesn't say anything. She doesn't about, even try like, to defend herself. Or- no. 
And she doesn't deny anything either. Um, and he said the emo meeting was very emotional at times, but no matter how emotional Selena got, Yolanda was always cold. Like, That's horrifying. As yeah. I mean, Selena must have just been absolutely heartbroken. Right, because she put a lot of trust in this person. It and was, like you said, she's like this good, pretty, pure, innocent person right. who probably did trust her. So she, like, leaves the meeting abruptly. Right. Like, she's not taking it anymore. She just gets up and leaves. At this point, Selena's dad bans her from contacting Selena, but Selena, of course, is like doesn't want to end their friendship. Yeah. Um, she feels like Yolanda has been essential to the success, whatever success she has had with these uh, shops, and that she also says we, we need to keep close. Like I think she's trying to confront uh, or get her dad on board, saying like I need to get the rest of these records from her if I end the friendship she'll just burn them or whatever. Like I need to stay friends with her. So she'll give me these records that I need, um, for my business mm -hmm. for tax purposes. So, um, Yolanda remains on the payroll, but everyone pretty much knows that she's probably going to get fired soon. Yeah. Like that's just, it's like a temporary stay. The next day, um, Selena and her dad chase Yolanda from the premises of the recording studio like she shows up and they're like, hey, you can't be here. You're not supposed really? to rebound Selena. And then Selena argues with her later in the day by phone. Selena hangs up and tells her husband at that point that she can no longer trust Yolanda. Um, at that point, her husband and her were kind of like, okay, we don't really, at this point, we're like, she's lying about what happened to this money. Like it's pretty obvious right. at this point. So she's like, can't be in denial anymore about Yolanda. Um, now the father believes that Yolanda made four separate attempts to murder Selena. What? So this is way after the fact. Yes, this is after the fact, but I'll go through them now because obviously they happened before her murder. At some point, um, March 10th, 1995, Selena removes her names um, from all the bank accounts. Uh, she replaces her as fan club president by another woman. And the next day, Saldivar goes to um, a gun store called A Place to Shoot. No way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and she um, buys a Taurus Model 85 snub nose 38 caliber revolver and 38 caliber hollow point bullets. These bullets are very bad, Rachel. I've, I, I know a little bit about the hollow point bullets. They basically cause way more extensive injuries than like a regular bullet would. Right. I think because they explode yeah. at that point, like once they hit you. So, you know, she tells the clerk that she needs protection uh, for her job because she's an in-home nurse with patients who have cancer, blah, 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 which she's lying about. I like how she uses it to her convenience. Of course. So um, on March 13th, that same day, uh, Yolanda drives to Corpus Christi, checks into a Sand and Sea motel, and uh, she schedules a meeting with Selena. Uh, Yolanda tells Selena there's too much traffic and asks her to meet at a parking lot 25 miles away from the hotel in Corpus Christi. Selena tells Yolanda that she could remain in charge of the business fairs in Mexico once she gets there. According to Selena's dad, Selena, like I said before, wanted to keep employing her somewhat to kind of not make her angry and to get all these papers that she needs. At the meeting, Yolanda opens her purse a bit and shows Selena the gun like oh. kind of like, like, you know what I mean? Like trying to be slick and threatening, like Whoa. what a weird thing. Selena tells her to return the gun, uh, and that she'll protect Yolanda from Selena's dad. So Selena's dad won't bug Yolanda anymore. So this is like, 
the 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 first time that the father believes she she was there to murder Selena. Okay. And Selena did kind of like stopped it by saying, "I'm going to keep you on still." And who knows if Selena was like aware. That right. she was placating this woman who was about right. to murder her or what. But she didn't tell her husband or anyone after that. Oh, so. my God. So the next day, Yolanda does return the gun to the shop. Um, she tells the clerk a lie that her father gave her something. Yolanda actually accompanies Selena on a trip to Tennessee where she's uh, recording one of the songs for her cross crossover album. Yeah. Selena tells her that some bank statements are missing and asks her to return them as soon as they get back to Texas. Yolanda repurchased the gun on March 27th and asked Selena once again to meet her alone in a motel room. This was, uh, according to the dad, her second attempt to kill Selena. News of Selena's arrival spread, and she was mobbed by fans, so that's why she didn't go to this motel room that particular day. Wow. So the dad thinks that the fans basically saved her life because there would be too many witnesses if something had happened at that point. The third attempt to kill Selena, according to him, was when Sal, um, Saldivar took a trip to Monterey in Mexico the last week of March. Um, there, While there with Selena, there was an, a phone call she placed, and it was um, Yolanda was crying hysterically, saying she had been raped on March 29th. The next day, she calls the same person, and this guy says the, the phone call sounded as though, as though someone was trying to snatch the phone while she's on the phone crying. Um, he had called the hotel and had an employee employee go to the room to see what the hell was going on, and Yolanda was not in the room. So this was like another suspicious thing, and the the dad thinks that she was trying to do something in Mexico too, I guess. On March 30th, when they're back from this Monterey trip, she's back in this Days Inn motel. She contacts Selena and tells her she had been raped while she was down in Monterey. According to the dad, the, this was the last message that they received from Yolanda. Uh, Yolanda asked Selena to visit her at her motel room alone. However, this time her husband, Chris, goes with her to the hotel room. So Chris says that he waited in the truck as Selena went into the motel room. Uh, as he was driving back to the house, Selena said Yolanda had given her bank statements, but they weren't the correct ones she needed. So Yolanda keeps trying to... Cl- to contact Selena through her pager, which is also very 90s. Selena's mad about the paperwork, but Yolanda's now saying, please, you have to take me to the hospital. I was raped. I was raped. She tells Selena that she's bleeding heavily from the rape. Um, and obviously at this point, Selena's like, I have to go right. help her. Right. And Perez is, or sorry, the dad is like, no, she's just trying to get you back to the hotel room. Like, don't go. But Selena um, is sort of debating what to do. Her husband says he doesn't. It's too late now at night, right. and he doesn't want her to go back alone. Unbeknownst to him, Selena make, agrees to meet her the next morning. That next day is Mar- Friday, March thirty first at seven thirty a.m. Selena goes to Salvador's motel room. Um, she tells Selena the story about being raped in Mexico and what happened. Selena takes her to the hospital, and the staff immediately s- say that they notice she has clear symptoms of depression. Um, at that point, um, Yolanda tells the staff that she had been bleeding a little, which is uh, makes Selena angry because Selena's like, you told me you were like bleeding out basically, right. and that's why it was an emergency that I come and get you to, to go to the hospital. They basically can't treat her there. It's not her hospital. She's like in the wrong county because she's in Corpus Christi now, and she's from San Antonio. There's, I guess maybe it's an insurance thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so Selena drives her back to the motel, 
Uh, and she's so irritated at this point. She's like, it's best that we probably just stay apart for a while. Yeah. And she kind of blames it on her dad. Like, my dad is just freaking out. Right. It's for the best. At 10 a.m., uh, Selena's dad calls her husband to say we're Selena because she was supposed to show up at the recording studio and she hadn't arrived. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money, and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings with big cash back at hundreds of stores. Don't miss headliners like Canon, Fenty Beauty, and Dyson. I can't wait to shop for all of my summer fashion and beauty needs, and we'll definitely be checking out Ulta and Adidas. Rakuten really is the best way to shop. You can really save by stacking cash back on top of other deals. And during Big Give Week, the cash back is bigger than ever. It's the time to shop for everything you need for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Membership is free, and it's all happening May 6th to May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost on top of Big Give Week cashback rates, go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Rakuten is the shopping platform to save while shopping. At this point, he calls Selena on her cell phone and reminds her of the recording. She tells him she had forgotten the session and she was taking care of one last item of business before she went over to the recording studio. That was the last telephone call that she had with her husband. At the motel room, Selena and Yolanda begin arguing. Motel guests start complaining about loud noises coming from that room. Wow. They said they hear two women arguing about business matters, and they hear Selena say that she could no longer trust Yolanda. Um, They hear her demanding return of financial papers, and then at some point, Selena dumps um, Yolanda's bag that contains all these bank statements onto a bed, 
and that's where she sees the gun. At 11.48 a.m., Saldivar points the gun at Selena. As Selena tries to flee, she, um, she shoots her once on the lower right shoulder, which severs an artery and causes a oh massive blood God. loss. The hotel maintenance man reports hearing a loud bang, which he just thought was maybe a car engine misfiring. Selena is basically critically wounded. She is running towards the lobby and leaves a trail of blood that is 395 two feet long. Oh my God. She's clutching her chest, screaming for someone to help me, telling that she's been shot. Yolanda is still chasing after her and pointing Whoa. a gun at her and calling her a bitch. And this is reported by several eyewitnesses. Um, they said that Yolanda seemed very calm while she's doing this. And then at some point she turns and she goes um, back to her hotel room after chasing Selena for uh, quite a distance. Um, according to one of the eyewitnesses, he heard screaming and saw Selena running towards him. She grabbed him and screamed, they'll shoot me again. Most motel staff noticed that her clothes were soaked in blood as she approaches the lobby. She collapses on the floor at 1149 AM. And this is when obviously the general manager is calling 911. She's screaming at the staff to lock the door because she thinks that right. Yolanda is still going to come in. The singer identifies her assailant and gives the room number of where she was shot. She's mortally wounded at this point, and she's her last words are Yolanda 158, which <gasps> is the room. So obviously people there are trying to stop the flow of blood, right. but it's pretty difficult. She begins to deteriorate rapidly as they're waiting for uh, the ambulance oh to come. God. Her eyes roll back into her head and she basically goes limp, but they're trying to kind of keep her not to lose consciousness, right. like talking to her right. and stuff like this. The ambulance arrives on the scene just under two minutes after being called. The paramedics basically do their thing. They put gauze on these wounds. They tear open her... They're trying to, like, basically keep her heart rate going because her heart rate is, like, barely right. in existence. Um, one of the paramedics said that when he got there, it was he knew it was too late once he arrived in the art in the lobby. She had basically, like, this huge, thick pool of blood all the way from her neck down to her knees. Oh like, God. that's how much blood had sort of come out of her. And that he couldn't find a pulse that he was, um, it was just like muscle twitches, basically. Uh, they put an intravenous needle, or they tried to put an intravenous needle into her, but her veins had basically collapsed because there was literally no oh blood. God. Okay. So she arrives at the hospital at 12 p.m. This is like just about 12 minutes after being shot. She's basically brain dead at this point, but I don't know if they know who she is. They basically... The, one of the doctors who comes on the scene later, he says that he would have never even bothered. That's how pretty much over it was. But they went to heroic efforts to save Selena, um, working on her, you know, giving her CPR, massaging her heart, like doing all of this stuff right. to try to save her. But she was pronounced dead uh, at 1.05 p.m. and just had lost too much blood. Right. I mean, it was an insane amount of blood loss that could not be repaired. So during the third hour after the shoot, shooting, she does have an aut autopsy almost immediately. And it's revealed that the bullet had entered her upper right back near her shoulder blade, passed through her chest cavity, and severed an artery and exited her right upper chest. Um, it took minutes from the point of impact 
of the bullet for her to lose virtually all of the blood in oh, her I'm body. Oh, I'm going to pass out. Okay, sorry. I'm serious. I'm going to pass out. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. After the shooting, Yolanda gets into her pickup truck and leaves the motel parking lot. Um, people saw her leave her room wrapped in a towel, and it was thought that she was going to go to the recording studio to shoot uh, Selena's dad. However, she just basically is going off somewhere. Like, I don't think she really had a plan. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm just going to start this section where she's in the standoff. Okay. So, so Yolanda basically leaves the scene of the crime in her pickup truck. Initially, they thought maybe she was going to go to the recording studio and shoot Selena's father, but she doesn't. She basically gets caught in this parking lot in her truck. She parks between uh, two cars, and the police kind of block her into this space. She's holding the gun to her head and threatening suicide, right. which is a scene in the movie that I did watch today. Um, now, I just wanted to put this little aspect of it into a time frame. This is like less than a year after the OJ murder. So this is sort of bringing back all these like reminiscent, right. like people like the standoff where everyone thought he was going to kill himself in right. the Bronco chase, et cetera. And that is sort of a theory of why people think this story didn't get as big of a, I mean, it was a pretty big story, right. but the OJ trial was happening now. Right. And that was sort of just dominating right. the news cycle. So the cops do the, the thing where they're there and they try to buddy up to her. Um, Yolanda claims that the gun went off by itself, like she had not intended to kill Selena, and that the gun just went off when they were fighting. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> like the special Patreon episode <laughs> of me having a crisis. <laughs> like an ER. <laughs> Hollywood crime scene, 911. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, <laughs> me reading off the computer. Fly with your head, lose your legs. <laughs> Just periods of silence followed by. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Uh, All right. So it's like OJ. Okay. So at this point, she's in the truck. She is threatening to commit suicide. Hundreds of Selena's fans have now gathered at this scene. Which seems, the news, was there like news coverage happening, and they knew where she was? Or well, she's at the hotel where she murdered Selena. Like, right. So they're I'm, at the scene of the crime, basically, right. and it's, they don't realize that the standoff is still happening. Oh my god, that sounds like quite a scene, right? Like, oh my god. So, although she had not been named yet right. in the news reports, right. but obviously Selena's death had been reported, right. and they knew where it had happened. Uh, so. At that point, the father does go on the news and says that the possible motivation was the termination of Yolanda. So now they do know, and I think that that creates this huge, like, that's her like, right. kind of thing. That must like, have been chaos. Uh, right. So she does eventually surrender, obviously. Yeah. She is taken down to the police station. Um, she waives her right to attorney, by the way, and like oh. starts telling her story. Um She's crying. She says, I can't believe I killed my best friend. As I said before, she says it was an accident, and she maintains that at the police station. She initially had a bond set for 100 grand, but that's raised to 500 grand. They do say that they won't be seeking the death penalty, and that has Franz outraged even right. further. The um, jail where she's at is getting death threats like every day. There's calls for vigilante justice to kill Yolanda. 
and that's something that she still has to this day. Really? In prison. <clears throat> well, I'll get through her trial and stuff next, but yeah, people were like, I mean, I have a story. I had no, I, I had, didn't know who Selena was when she died, <clears throat> but I was in a restaurant when mm-hmm. she was murdered. Like the news broke. Oh. And every person, it was like a Latino, like the workers, like in the kitchen, right. all came out, like literally like pulling their hair and oh crying. Oh my God. And like, they, I just never forgot that moment because I was like, who's Selena? <laughs> like I had no idea. Right. But they were like, literally like, Selena, Selena. They were like crying and just wow. like devastated. And like, it was like mostly men, like just like whatever, busboys and like kitchen workers yeah. coming out of the kitchen at the restaurant I was at. That's And wild. literally like crying. And that's how I found out about right. the murder. But I was also like, like I said, I had no idea who she was. And I think I remember asking, I can't remember if I asked one of the guys or whoever, and they were like, it's like the Madonna right. for us. Like that right. was like what she was to them. That was their Madonna, like right. that level of fame. So she's also, by the way, like in prison, like there's a Mexican mafia they're called, like the dominant gang in Texas mm-hmm. prisons. And they're also constantly putting a hit out on Yolanda. Like to this day, she still really? faces these death threats and she's often in solitary confinement because of the threats to her life. Right. Not that I'm feeling sorry for her. Yeah. <laughs> Just explaining the situation. So as I mentioned before, this is taking place. The trial starts in October of 1995, which is just when the verdict, the OJ verdict, just after the OJ verdict came right. in, uh, Selena's murder trial, or, or the murder trial of, Sel- sorry, how am I saying this? Yolanda's murder trial. And like I said before, like, the the OJ verdict was such a right. huge thing. Like it was front just, page news. It was front page news, and even weeks after, people were still like right. whatever. So I think when this trial started, people were just kind of. It wasn't like the case it would have been. I think if the OJ kind of didn't steal some of its thunder. Um, Newsweek at the time reported that it was like almost too much to have another trial of the century, and obviously this was a more obvious case. We kind of knew what had right. happened. Court TV was not allowed to um, air this trial, so this trial never had the same kind of media coverage. Fans um, of the star were, like, outraged by this. They they wanted to see the trial, and obviously most of them couldn't go into the courtroom. And Houston, the the trial happened in Houston rather than Corpus Christi. So were fans just mobbing the courthouse? Yeah. Like, outside? Yeah. um, They also... 30,000 fans and mourners obviously showed up to Selena's funeral. Oh. And that was um, beamed around the world, like, to whatever. I don't know if it was the world, but to locations where she was, like, a popular uh, musician. And there were rumors that um, the whole thing had been staged. Like, that was, like, sort of the, like, the the old conspiracy theory theory that, that... it was like, I think it was mostly like fans in denial. Right. But they didn't want to believe that she was really dead. So they had an open casket. So, so, um, Yolanda never deviates from her story that she told from the first day in the mm-hmm. standoff that it was an accident. The I gun just went off. I understand that she thinks, first of all, you're waving a gun around at somebody. What right. What are you fucking doing? She also claims that it was Lena who threw herself at Yolanda's feet, that Yolanda was going to quit. Like the ultimate, you can't fire me, I quit. (laughs) Like Yolanda claims that it was Selena who was devastated, that Yolanda was quitting. I find that hard to believe. Well, no one fucking believed it. (laughs) I mean, it was an insane uh, thing. She was obviously um, found guilty. 
the jury didn't buy her fucking story at all. The de- defense like barely put up any evidence. I was going like, to ask what it, what was the defense? What they go with temporary? They insanity? literally had five witnesses. No, they went with the accident. Like that was the defense that it was an accident. The gun just accidentally went off. Like, like. Yolanda was on suicide watch the whole time she was on trial. Her lawyer was getting death threats too, by the way. Like no one wanted to defend her because they were afraid that they would get death threats as well. And that's what happened to the lawyer who did defend her. They called up five witnesses, three motel member, like staff members, a policeman and Yolanda's seventh grade teacher, I guess was her character. For her. (laughs) Imagine only being able to get someone from when you were in seventh grade to vouch for you. Uh, I think she did have some weird relationships with her brother and like family members. I don't think she was like she well liked in her them. family. Right. Meanwhile, the prosecution has like 33 witnesses, 120 ex- exhibits. I like, mean, I, yeah, it's like, it yeah. sounds like everyone at that motel saw it go down, basically. And um, obviously, one of the most devastating witnesses was the woman who said that she saw Yolanda calling her bitch. Which makes right. it definitely not an, an accident, accident right? right? She was chasing um, after her. Yeah. So, like I said before, she's obviously found guilty of murder in less than two hours of deliberation. Wow. Uh, the death penalty was off the table because the killing did lack the aggravated circumstances of a capital crime. So, she is asked if she wants to give a statement after she gets this verdict. She says, no, sir. Um, She does weep as she's being sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole for 30 years. So she is up for parole, I think, in 2025. As I said before, she does get death threats, a ton of death threats constantly, and she's kept in isolation for 23 hours a day in a a 9 by 6 foot cell. In 2002, a judge orders the gun used to kill Selena to be destroyed, and the pieces are thrown into the Corpus Christi Bay. And fans and historians hate this decision, and they said it should be a historical monument or a historical piece of memorabilia or something. I don't know quite where they would put it, but they think the gun should have been in a museum and not destroyed. Since she's been in prison, there have been like a lot of weird rumors and stories with her in prison. Like I said before, she's not eligible for parole until 2025. Um, She does constantly want to do an appeal and plans to represent herself when she does, like, try to get this appeal. I don't know, like, what her plan is. Yeah. She thinks that her defense failed her and they didn't call enough witnesses and da-da-da-da, so she's going to get some appeal based on, like, a bad lawyer, I guess. But that's never happened. So she might just be shooting her mouth off. She also did give an interview in 2016. Um, I guess there had been a rumor that Selena was pregnant at the time that she was shot. Yeah. And Yolanda, obviously, this sort of builds her up. Like, I was her confidant. She told me she was pregnant. But Chris says that she was not pregnant. Right. Like, that is a lie. He would have known. And uh, I think it's definitely one of those things where Yolanda is just trying to, once again, build up her relationship with Selena as being someone who was so important to her. There was also a rumor recently I saw that she was found beaten to death in her cell, like Yolanda. Oh, but it wasn't reported? It wasn't. I saw a news story, and I was like, really? Like, this was like a f- few months ago, maybe, I saw it. And uh, I looked into it, and it was like a rumor. And then I read in my research for this that that's a rumor that happens all the time, that she's been found beaten to death in her cell. I don't know why it happens to her particularly, and then there, I did see uh, that there was a Selena documentary 
coming soon. Oh. I don't know if it's Netflix or what, but it's definitely like kind of jumping on that bandwagon. Like these true crime documentaries are right. so big right now. Right. So they are doing a Selena documentary series. Oh, it's so a I don't series. really. Yeah, it's going to be along the lines of like making a murder or one of those where it's going to be. But not to exonerate Yolanda. No, but like a four part, whatever. It's going to be a documentary series. So like four part, right. whatever, Just going to through the case do details. A deep dive. Another interesting uh, thing that I read, I don't know if you know this story, but I actually did know this story. It took place in the 90s, and this is why I was telling Rachel earlier that I was looking up Models, Inc. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Models, Inc. We didn't talk about this in the show, right? No, we okay. didn't. No. So I was looking up this uh, Lifetime movie that I saw based on the case. It was called, like, The Cadet, Texas Cadet Murders, and it happened in the 90s after Selena was murdered. It was basically, like, a love triangle Two of the students were a, a couple, and they were, like, ROTC. Like, they wanted to be, like, in the military when mm-hmm. they got out of high school. And he apparently fucked this blonde cheerleader girl. So she had her boyfriend kill the blonde cheerleader girl. And this was called the Texas Cadet Murders. There was a Lifetime movie, and Holly Marie Combs plays... Yeah, I remember her. <laughs> Diane Zamora, her name is. Yeah. Uh, and then Cassidy Ray played the blonde cheerleader, and she was also on Models, Inc. So yeah. I had this whole Models, Inc. thing today. I so know. that's unrelated to Selena. It's not unrelated to Selena. Oh. Because I brought that up because Diane Zamora, the murderer of the Texas Cadet Murders, her and Yolanda are like BFF what? in prison. In fact, they got separated, and Diane went to court to get back with Yolanda. Oh, because they're like we're they're like we can only like she's my only friend right. we're like very close in prison so that's like her only person that she's friends with in prison that has her back yeah so that's like a weird that's I wonder if like connection. celebrity or like famous murderers kind of flock together because everyone usually wants to kill the famous ones right right like, right or they face a lot of like beating up or whatever threats. Uh, threats. Yeah. So I just thought that was like an interesting. That's an interesting. Uh, I should pair. tell our friend Molly McAleer. She would love that. That would be a great Lifetime movie to do yeah. uh, at some point. So that's that. That's the end. It is such a tragic story, Desi. And I, you should watch the movie. It's really great. It's so well done. Right. And the performances in it are great. And, and especially the music number performances right just like you'll get into it you'll get into the music when you watch it like it's super fun the costumes are great uh just jennifer lopez is so good it really is her best role and it's really sad too it is such a sad story it's really it's tragic it's like this is a woman who was absolutely on the brink of an explosive like career and her her crossover album did come out right. and was like a huge success. Yeah. Obviously. I remember there was one hit Dreaming, Dreaming or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. That was just all over the radio. So right. yeah, it does seem like she kind of It's tragic. Yeah. It's really sad. It's and very she seemed sad. like a really nice person too. Right. From everything I've like read or heard about her, she seemed like she was There was really... no bad stories. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean the only bad stories I'm hearing are from Yolanda. <laughs> Right, <laughs> which obviously the not a great, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's it. Uh, okay, follow us on Facebook, Hollywood Crime Scene Friends. You can request to join the group, right? And then if you want to leave us five stars, that would be nice. Yeah, that helps us. Yeah. Um, if you want to donate to the Patreon, I think we have like a hundred 
bonus episodes. Yeah. So that will keep you busy. And I have a couple more I'm uploading this week. So there's stay tuned for some more bonus episodes yeah, this so week. So that's at, what is it? Patreon? Patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Okay, cool. All right. Bye. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.